This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. This episode of All Have Another Podcast and all of the episodes in the Chicago Marathon Recap Series are presented by Athletic Greens. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, for five free travel packs plus a year-long supply of vitamin D. All right, today's episode is another Chicago Marathon Recap with Megan Featherston. Megan is a sports dietitian and hugely passionate about performance fuel for your life. She and I were lucky enough to be able to work together at the Expo at Chicago this year. I hosted a panel that she was on with Abbott and we got to talk about all things fueling, nutrition, in your training and in your marathon there. And she's been on this podcast before talking about all things nutrition for runners She is specifically passionate about carbohydrates and how to fuel before a marathon and during the marathon. I think that Megan is really changing the game with how runners fuel during the race. We're learning that we need more than we've probably taken in the past, and she breaks that down in this episode. Megan had a big goal herself running Chicago. She was there for work, but she also had her own goal. She wanted to run around a 252 marathon, and guess what? She ran 250. So she shares all about her race in this episode. She shares about the weekend, what she did differently for this marathon, in the training, and also the race itself. And most importantly, we talk about how important it is to bring joy into your running and checking ourselves to make sure that this is something that's making us happy and bringing us joy. I really enjoyed cheering for Megan at the race because she had a smile on her face the whole time. Every time we saw her, she waved, did a fist pump. She was just so happy to be there, but she was also working hard. And I think those are two really special things to be able to work really hard and also enjoy it at the same time. If you love this series, this Chicago recap series and any of the episodes we put out here on I'll Have Another Podcast through Sandy Boy Productions. If you could just leave us a quick rating and review on iTunes or Spotify and share it with your friends on social media, that is a huge help in growing the show, new listeners finding us, and I just really, truly appreciate it. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Megan Featherston. Today, we've got some more fun Chicago interviews coming through. This is Megan Featherston. Welcome back to the show, Megan. Thanks for having me back and for hanging out all weekend. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It was such a pleasant surprise to get to. I mean, I knew like a week ahead, but for a long time, I knew you were going to be in Chicago, but I didn't know that we were actually going to get to work together. I agree. I got like the outline for the panel at the expo and it was like moderator, Lindsay Hine. I was like, oh my God, this is great. (laughs) Super, super fun. Um, So friends, Megan's been on the show before. She came on, um, we talked a lot about carb loading in her episode when I did the nutrition series. Um, If you're not following Megan on Instagram, she's kind of all the rage right now. (laughs) (laughs) So kind of you to put me on that little pedestal. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Well, you have a really fun way of educating runners about how to fuel. And um, I think your work speaks for itself. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, it's fun. Like healing doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be restrictive. I always just try to get people to look at like, what can we add to benefit our performance? Not necessarily ever have that what to take away attitude. Mm. And, you know, I'm my motto in life is if it's not fun, don't do it. I've been like that my whole life. Um, so I like to make things fun. Um, <laughs> Megan, do you, I hate asking this question because when people don't know the Enneagram, they're like, what? And then I have to explain it. So I won't explain it if you don't, but do you know what you are on the Enneagram? I think I'm a, I always have to look it up. I, I think I'm a two. I'm the one that like cares about what other people think about them. And I don't want to admit that I do, but okay. I, but when I really think about it, I'm like, oh my God, I do. So whichever one that is, I'll okay. have to, I need to look it up. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing about the Enneagram is like, it, it tells you your best qualities, which feels really good, but then it yeah. tells you the qualities that you're like, oh, that's me too. Right. Right. Now I have to, no, I'm not a two. That was the nurturing and supportive one <laughs> you are nurturing and supportive to your I, athletes that you coach I think any mom is is nurturing and supportive um oh three achiever yeah okay well you also like so I'm a seven I think and like that yeah. is like anything that sounds fun I'm in and if it's spur of the moment fun even better so when you said my motto is like don't do it if it's not fun I was like is she a seven I probably have seven tendencies, I'm like a mixture of like a little bit of sprinkle of two, a lot of three, and uh-huh, uh-huh. some seven tendencies. Yeah. Um. Well, sorry, people, if you're not into the enneagram, and I'm I'm not even into the enneagram. I just like kind of yeah. know where I land, and so whenever people like talk about a strong quality they have, I always wonder where are you on that spectrum. Yeah. yeah. There's something to it. Yeah. Um. Okay. And speaking of having fun, I mean, you had fun in that race in Chicago. I had a blast. I had so much fun. The whole weekend was great. But I still remember what mile was it? We were coming over a bridge. Were you sitting on like the <laughs> side of a bridge with your legs dangling over it? Yes. With some people? That's the first time I saw you. I was like, oh my God. That was like, that's a really cool place to watch the marathon from. Like, I Dude, was like this, this is good. That place was yeah. awesome. Yeah. We were at two and 13. And then it kind of sucked because I. I typically like to cheer for races at like mile like 23, like I, or like 18. Like I want to be there when you're like really in it, you know? Um, and the group I was with like figured they'd stop at 13 and go to the finish. And I wanted to see the finish too, but I think if I could do it again, I would have done like mile two and 17 because Mm. 13 still a little early. You're like still kind of figuring out like, what kind of day is this going to be? Yeah. Yeah. If you want to see like the carnage, you definitely have to go to like, I think 18, 19, there was a lot of carnage. Yeah. Um, and then like, yeah, after 22. <laughs> um, but yeah, where you saw me, we saw these other people sitting up on this like little ledge thing. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And you can spot people from really far yeah. away because you're like up high. Yeah. So fun. I was impressed. I think that's where I'd want to sit if I was watching. So I was <laughs> tracking you. Um, and so like I knew you were going to be coming around that corner at the finish line. Um, any second. And I, I also knew, so Megan and I talked at the, uh, elite press conference on Saturday, like before or Friday, before we actually did our panel together. And you had told me like, I want to run around a two fifty two, And so while I was tracking you, I was like, Oh, you know, he keeps, keeps giving you those <laughs> updates. Like, Oh, she's on track for two fifty one. Oh, she's on track for two fifty. And so that was just really exciting because also when we talked, you were so 
chill about it. You were like, yeah, I want to do this. Megan, who we'll talk about, who's coaching you, thinks I'm in this range. But also I'm working this weekend. So like it's both. It's not like this is like there's nothing on the line here. I just want to do what mm-hmm. I think I can do. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And that's the way it's always going to be for me. And I think you could probably relate. Like if I'm somewhere for running, I'm probably working too. Sometimes my family's with me as well. They were not this weekend. And it's like, it's never, I don't want it to ever just be about me and my race. Like I, I want it to be about everything, you know? So if that means, if that at some point sacrifices a little bit of performance, I'm totally fine with that. Um, because I love the other aspects of this, speaking at the expo, talking to all these people that want last minute nutrition advice. Like, I love that. Like I thrive off that. So, but luckily in Chicago, I got it all. <laughs> it all came, it all worked out, which doesn't happen often, but. Yeah. I, I love that too, because I actually think it relieves some pressure, right? It's like, mm-hmm. okay, this is a piece of the weekend. I put the training in. I love to run, but like, this isn't everything that it's about right right and I truly feel like as I've gotten older my running does not define who I am and I'm honestly satisfied with what I've accomplished in running and anything more is like a bonus you know so I just I don't put a ton of pressure on myself about like times or outcomes it's for me I, I know this sounds so cheesy but I love training like I love the grind of training so if that gets me faster that's awesome if it doesn't cool <laughs> and I I think people that aren't coming to these races for work stuff like you and I can like still view it similarly if they want to like mm-hmm. you make it a weekend where you get to see friends or whatever it is like it can always be more than just the race because when it's just the race that pressure has to feel so heavy on your shoulders I agree. I, I agree. And that's one thing that, I mean, it's not my expertise area, right? But that's the less pressure we put on ourselves, I think the better we do, you know? So it's like, if you're listening and are putting all your eggs in your performance basket, like let's diversify those a little. <laughs> okay. I want to know though, how you love training so much because I love how training makes me feel but I don't always look forward to hard workouts. I get anxious about them a little bit and you know, sometimes I wake up in the morning, I'm just like, I don't really want to do this, but I know I do. Like, I know I will feel better and I'll feel like so badass after I do a hard workout. How do you keep your mindset, like not down in the dumps about it ever? You seem like you're always excited about it. I used to get really nervous about stuff. Like I'm, I'm an, I can be a nervous person. Like I know I'm sounding cool, calm and collected, but like (laughs) I have times when I'm like, I get nervous about stuff. Um, and I think, recently like life is just so busy I really can't think much more than a day ahead mm. so it's like I got to get through my work day Friday get the kids from school like make sure everyone and then I'm like oh what's my run tomorrow right and I'm like oh I can tackle that I'll deal with it tomorrow um but then also like a, one kind of focus that I always had in my mind this training cycle that was different was every day is not going to you're not going to feel your best so every day I just told myself when you get out there for whatever workout it is whatever long you give it everything you have that day and that is plenty mm-hmm. you're not going to have it all to give every day you know and I, I think I took that attitude with the race too luckily I felt great from mile one and I was like this could be a day you know but some days it's not some days that's all you've got and you got to be smart because you have to go home and be a mom or do all the other life responsibilities after your run and you can't be trashed you know so it's just a different mentality, I think. I love that. I love that so much. That's so good. Um, all right. So real quick before we dive into race breakdown, tell everybody like what exactly you were doing with Abbott at the expo. 
Yeah. So they re- so a lot of people don't know like what Abbott is. So yeah, yeah. they're like a very large healthcare company that makes a lot of different devices and, and nutrition products and all sorts of stuff. Um, like the CGMs that a lot of runners are wearing to track blood sugar, like that's all Abbott, right? So people probably just don't realize some of the stuff they do, but they're also a major sponsor for all six major marathons. Like you guys know, like Bank of America was Chicago, but they're not New York, you know, but Abbott has an involvement in all of them, which is pretty cool. Like they're the six star challenge people that everybody's doing. So they reached out and they were like, Hey, like, will you come run Chicago and kind of like share what we're up to here? Like, it's the first time someone called me an influencer. I was like, I'm an influencer. I'm a sports dietitian and a runner, you know, but I was like, of course, like I'll come out. So they just kind of pulled me into what they do with their employees. So I just kind of got to experience what it would be like if I was an avid employee and some of the perks they get, like seeing the finish line and hearing a course preview with Joni um, and just some cool stuff throughout the weekend. So um, that's what I did with them. And then, as you know, they had me speak at the expo and do some stuff over in their area on, uh, what was that, Friday we did that? Yeah, yeah, it was Friday. Yeah, so it was fun. It was really fun. It's a great um, that's so cool. It's so funny you said that influencer because one of my friends here in Raleigh was like, oh, it looks like you had so much fun in Chicago doing influencer things. And I was like, no, that's not what I was doing. I was working. I was like interviewing people at the expo. And then I was like, just enjoying the weekend. I was like, don't call me that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm like in my late thirties. So like influencer <laughs> seems like an 18 or 20 year old to me. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm more than that. No, I'm kidding. But, well, no. And it but, just feels yeah. kind of gross because like, I, <laughs> like, I just want to like do things that I love, like you said, like that and that are mm-hmm. fun and work with companies and races that I respect and enjoy working with. And I don't ever want it to feel like that. I just want it to feel like I'm showing you what we're doing here. Exactly. Um, I had so much fun at the expo though. That was, that was such a really fun way to be involved in the weekend and super casual and laid back. But, um, I have to say the event management team with the expo and everything, like everybody there treated me so kindly and welcomed me in and made me feel like I was like just a part of them. And I was like, this is the running community that I love. Isn't that the truth? I had a couple of people that were like, I was really worried, my mom included, you were going to be very drained by the time the race rolled around because of all the stuff you were doing. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I guess maybe that's a concern. But like, you, like you're saying with the running community, like it just ignites your fire. Like, mm-hmm. Runners are amazing. Like it's so fun to be around them. There's so much energy to like pull from a crowd of runners um, that I felt like it was did the opposite. You know, it filled me up instead of drained me. <laughs> totally. Okay. So yeah. you're working with Megan, who those of mm-hmm. you listening, Megan's been on the podcast before. She's with Believe in the Run. Her and Thomas and their crew are so fun and awesome. <laughs> Um, Megan does a podcast with them, Fuel for the Soul. And then Megan was just on their podcast as well, kind of doing what we're doing here. Um, But tell us like your relationship with Megan and when you started working with her as a coach. Yeah. So we have kind of an interesting like symbiotic relationship here because she came to me Mm. for nutrition help. It's almost been two years. I think in November it'll be two years ago, which is wild that it's been that long. Um, So that's how it started with me helping her and Thomas with nutrition and kind of changing some misconceptions they had about it and like educating them on it. And, you know, Meg is like a forever lifelong learner. So she was like absorbing it all, you know, so then that's how it all started. And then, you know, she 
crushes her own training and she coaches herself and she has a coaching certification. And at Boston, she like, you guys know how hard Boston course is. And she like crushed a PR and ran a 248. And I'm like, my God. And I watched her training and it looked like fun. Like the stuff she was doing, the workouts she was doing looked really fun. So I was like, uh, would you maybe coach me <laughs> for the fall? And she jumped at it. I was like, are you sure? I know you're so busy. And she was like, Megan, I would be honored to. So she started coaching me after I did that half Ironman this summer. So as soon as that wrapped up, she like picked me up. And and so it was maybe 10 weeks, 12 weeks. I can't remember exactly how long it was. Yeah. So are you the only person she coaches? She coaches some of the other Believe in the Run folks. Okay. Yeah. So like a handful. There's not a ton. Okay. Can you break down the half Ironman real quick? Which one did you do? What was your favorite part? All that. So I thought like I have really bad feet and like arthritis in my toes and they hurt all the time and I was getting injured and couldn't get rid of these Achilles issues so I was like I really don't know if I can keep running marathons after Boston so I signed up for the Sandusky which was the Ohio half Ironman it was the end of July of this year and I in my mind I was going to run Boston and I was going to try to find other things I loved because I just wasn't sure that I was going to be able to keep running like I wanted to and I was you know trying to temper my expectations so I signed up for well Boston went great I didn't have any issues in my build you know and I was like oh I'm not done running yet but I'd signed up for this (laughs) Ironman so I was like well guess I better do this so I biked a lot over my Achilles injuries. So like I'm a pretty good biker. Like I was, I knew I could handle that. I just needed the volume. And then I suck at swimming. Like I'm terrible. And then I, I didn't practice it much. So that was a little bit of a struggle on race day. But um, I ended up doing really well. I think I placed in my age group. Like it was so fun. Nice. It was a really fun experience. Yeah. Um, what yeah. was your time? I have to ask. I think it was like, it was five and then in the teens. Okay. I don't know if it was like that 13 or 16 or yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I've only I've done one half Ironman. I was five, but I was like 50s. And I remember like throughout yeah. the race, it was like, get under six hours, get under six <laughs> hours, get under six hours. I was trying to go under 530. That was kind of okay. my thought. And then the thing that I loved about it, though, is a lot of triathlons, like running is like the part where you relax. But mm-hmm. running, I was like, I'm ready to go. Gotta go. So passing like left and right. And there, you know, I'm very, very tall. And I was wearing like a black, like triathlon skin suit <laughs> and I had a black hat on and I had multiple people that thought I was a guy. They were like, nice <laughs> work, dude. Was passing <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 this is a chick. <laughs> it's the hat, Megan. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I, I always know. feel like if you can't see a pony in the hat, <laughs> yeah. that's probably what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Didn't Megan also randomly do a half Ironman this summer and just like crush? They Megan did Murray? one. Yeah, they did one in December, Um, and I was actually signed up to go do that with them, and my mom was sick, and I was just worried about traveling to Florida and bringing back COVID, and so I, like, bailed on that one and signed up for for the Ohio one. Would you do it again? You know, you just reminded me. I still have an entry to the Florida one. Oh, really? When is it? (laughs) It's around Christmas. I think it's, like, right maybe, like, two weeks into December or something. Um. No, I don't. I'm not doing that. I'm saying it right now. I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to waste my entry. <laughs> I mean, the thing about it is it, it's the volume on the bike. It is so, so, so time consuming. Yeah, it is. It is. And I, I, to be completely transparent, I was still like run training. Like I was still running a decent amount of miles and then someday tacking on a long bike ride. Mm-hmm. So I only did it for like four or five weeks. I think I only trained for six weeks because I was like, to your point, I'm like, I don't have time for this. I don't have the energy for this. I have so many other things I should be doing right now besides picking up more endurance training. So 
it's, it's got to be hard to like really train seriously for them. So you going into Chicago this year, you're, was it, were you a 256 or 257 PR? 256.56. So okay. Very high. 256. Yeah. 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 Cause I remember talking about that on your last episode. Um, yeah. so did you change anything with your fueling from the recent races to this race? Or have you been on this like fuel every 30 minutes, 60 grams of carbs per hour for years now? So a couple of things changed a little bit. I would say I fine-tuned, I tweaked, I have group nutrition programs. And I'm not going to lie, like as I'm educating these groups, I'm like, yo, Megan, you can change this. You can change. Like, I feel like it actually made me like a little more in tune to my own nutrition on the daily, right? So um, I was more intentional about how I fueled around runs so that I had more fuel going into them and then better fuel for recovery. Cause I, that was one thing I feel like I recovered so much better this training cycle. So I definitely put more effort into that whole recovery nutrition piece. Um, but as far as actual race day went, you guys know, I'm a huge proponent of carb loading. So I nailed that. Like that was, you know, a three full day of carb load that I always do. Um, and then race day, I, things were a little bit different. So I practiced my race day fueling every single week in training. Like I used to kind of like, oh, I don't need to take this mm-hmm. one. Right. But like, I like nailed it every week so that I was able to then be very successful with it come race day. So it was the first time I got, every, I got six gels in. And that was the first time every other time I haven't gotten the six, they've only gotten to like five. So that was a little bit different. And then um, caffeine, I was much more strategic with like the caffeine that I took. So I use Morton gels. So their caffeinated ones have 100 milligrams of caffeine. So my goal was to get two of those in so that I could get 200 milligrams of caffeine. And caffeine's weird, like it takes an hour to be fully in our bloodstream and then it hangs around for an hour. So we kind of want to be strategic with like when we take it. So I took one at the start knowing I was hoping to finish around you know, 252. I took one at the start, so it would hit by an hour, but then it would wear off by two hours. So I took my second one at an hour, so it would hit by two hours and be in my system till the end. So from like an hour to the 250 when I ended, I had like a decent amount of caffeine in my system, which helps decrease pain, right? Increase mental focus. Maybe that's the smiles I kept giving people. Um, And then also decrease perceived exertion a little bit. So interesting. Okay. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought you told me before you train with a different gel, but you race with Morton. Was that you? No, okay, I have that trained wasn't with, I've used other things in past marathons. Like Morton is, I've only used that at Boston in this one. So okay. I've only used that at two races. Yeah. And you're training with Morton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you love about Morton? I think I, so rewinding a little bit, I used to just not take gels. I hated what they tasted like. I hated how they felt when I, they hit my stomach. So I switched to chews. So I was using chews and I was very successful with that, but it's really hard to get enough chews in. Like it's a lot of energy, no pun intended, to chew your chews. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wasn't quite getting as much as I wanted using the chews. And that's when like Morton was so popular and I was being so stubborn. I was like, this stuff's expensive. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm not going to use that. Totally. I can use something else. And then I tried it and I just feel like it's, so easy to take like it's thicker it reminds me of a jello shot like (laughs) it's very non-offensive to me from a texture standpoint and it just sat so well and you don't have to make sure you're at a water station when you take it so it's just easy to integrate into training and it worked well and I was like oh man I drank the Kool-Aid I'm here (laughs) (laughs) do they have lots of different flavors no it's just sugary sweet like there's no flavor to it whatsoever sugary sweet 
just super sweet. That's all it is. Oh my gosh. Interesting. I've mm-hmm. been using Huma gels. What do you think about those? Yeah. I have a lot of people who like Huma gels and I have a lot of my salty sweaters. I have them use the Huma plus Okay. because like Morton has no sodium in it. Right. So like oh. if we need, yeah, if we need more salt, I really, I recommend Huma plus a lot. How do you do that in the summer then? Cause like, you know, these fall marathons, we're not going to need nearly as much sodium as we did in our summer training months, but like you can't right. do a 20 mile run in the summer in 80 degrees and not have any sodium. Yeah. And that's why two of the three times I saw you, I had a handheld in my hand. Um, I chucked it at mile 17, but I put a whole serving of scratch in there, which is like 350 milligrams of sodium. So I get my sodium through my drink. Okay. And then, and I would just refill that more in the summer, but obviously at a cool marathon, one container of it was enough. So yeah. you, ha- you had a handheld mm-hmm. and you kept it until 17. Until it was gone, which happened to be 17. Yeah. I was debating if I wanted to take a handheld for New York. It's just so much easier than dealing with water stops. But then once it's empty, I'm not going to want to stop and fill it up. Right. Right. Is that when you pitched it? Yeah. And part of me usually, okay. So, you know, when you train with those all summer, they start to get gross. So Mm -hmm. I don't mind like pitching it once a year, twice a year. Yeah. But after I threw it, I was like, well, crap, now I have to buy another one for New York. (laughs) (laughs) I shouldn't have thrown that yet. (laughs) Oh, totally. (laughs) Um, yeah. And I have some athletes that I coach that they'll carry it and they'll refill it. Like they'll refill it yeah. at a water stop and yeah. you know, you're trying to run like a three forty marathon or something that like 30 seconds really shouldn't be a huge deal. Um, yeah. worth it to fill up and, and have what you need. But, um, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd want to fill up. I think I want to throw it and then just use water yeah. stops from there on out. Yeah. That's how I always do it. Yeah. But you're right. I do have some of my athletes or if the race ends up being a lot hotter than we want, it's worth stopping to fill it up because it's probably going to save you time if you don't get too dehydrated in the end. Um, Okay. So six gels for a 250 marathon. I I feel like in the past I max out at four gels myself. So um, I need to really shoot for six or maybe even seven if I'm trying to run like 320. mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. Yeah. And my goal was to get like 60 grams of carbs an hour. And that was, it was, I think it was ended up being like 59 when I did the math. So it was pretty darn close. Yeah. Does it matter? Cause I've heard mixed answers to this. Like the longer you go, do you need to increase the carbs or do you just want to stay consistent the whole time? So when we look at how many grams of carbs we're supposed to be taking an hour, it's based on two things, the time you're out there and the intensity Mm. with which you're running. So those are the two things I always take into consideration. It's not just the time. It's looking at like how high is our perceived exertion? How high is our heart rate? So if somebody is out there longer, but racing really hard, yes, we do need to increase Mm. the amount, the grams of carbs per hour. But for a lot of people, you know, I typically just hold them pretty steady throughout it um but you know there's always caveats to that this episode of the podcast is supported by athletic greens and i gotta tell you i am hooked on athletic greens i have been hearing about ag1 forever that is the athletic greens product that is filled with 75 vitamins minerals and whole food sourced nutrients in one convenient daily serving. You just put one scoop in, shake it up with eight ounces of water, start your day with it, get your energy going, and it will have you feeling balanced and supported, both your immune system, your digestive system. It has prebiotics, probiotics to help with your gut health. 
and it also provides metabolism, energy, and stress support. I wake up in the morning, I go straight to my cabinet to get my athletic greens, start my day like that. I love starting the day with a healthy habit, putting this nutrient-dense product into my body. I'm telling you, you gotta try it. They have a 60-day money-back guarantee. And when you go to athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, you will get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five travel packs. You're gonna want those travel packs. I took mine with me to Chicago for the race and every morning in my hotel room, I had my AG1. It helps because you feel like, oh, I'm starting the day the same way I do at home, even when I'm on the go. And plus, when you're traveling, you might not get the nutrient-dense meals that you get at home. So it's that extra security blanket there as well. Like, you know you're getting those 75 vitamins and minerals in when you take your AG1 in the morning. Again, go to athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, and you will get that free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 plus five travel packs of AG1. All right, friends, back to the show. Um, okay, so let's talk about your pacing plan and your strategy with Megan with the race itself. I think you ran the 5K, right? On yes, and it was so and fun because it was so flat. <laughs> <laughs> it was so flat. Was your GPS crazy? Was oh, it, it was wild. It said my second mile was 607, and I was like, I don't think I could run one 607 mile right now. Like, it was all right. over the place. It was so bad. So I had a light freak out after that because I knew the GPS was going to be bad yeah. but I was like holy like this is really bad like really like you couldn't even use the, any of the data right so at that point I was like all right I'm not going to use my watch I'm not even going to care about the paces on my watch so I texted Meg and asked her for like checkpoints so she gave me where I should be like a range mm -hmm. right of where I should be at the 5k 10k half and 20 miles so I wrote that down my arm so that I could make sure that I was where I and that's what I did. I five K checked in. We were a little hot. So mm -hmm. I was like, all right, I'm gonna back down a little, you know. That's early enough that like you have time to like let me compose right. myself here. Right. Right. And then at the ten K we were even a little hotter. I was like, <laughs> oh. But I felt so good. But you know, I was just like, this is not like we're we were in the fast range of where like I wanted to be. So I was like, all right, I'm, I need to settle through the half. Like, I know I feel good. So I really like, even if you look at my paces, like my 10K to 15K pace, like slowed a decent amount, but intentionally, right? I was like, all right, I need to hold this back a little. And I came through the half at the lower end of where she wanted me. I came through the 20 miler at the lower end. So at that point I was like, I'm just going to hang. Like I'm, this marathon pace like clicked that day. Like I just felt like I could feel it really, really well for the first time ever in my life. So I just trusted that. And I, I really was not looking at my watch. I was just running by feel. And the last, there was about two miles left. And I was using the mile markers on the street because my watch was, it had gone bonkers. I oh, knew yeah. it wasn't right. So there was two miles left and I started to feel a little bit nauseous. So I was like, um, is this why people barf at the end of the race? <laughs> but I, I, my pace was still okay. But I was like, maybe just hang here. Like, let's not, you know, sometimes you're like, I'm going to push at the end of a race. I was like, let's just hang. Um, and I did. And, you know, I saw you as I took so there's that little hill you climb and then make a left and as soon as I made the left I heard your voice like booming loud and clear <laughs> for me and I got so excited <laughs> but I was like who's she and then I'm running I'm like who are the other three people she's with like, that's what I was thinking after I saw you <laughs> I was so loud it's always so embarrassing like 
those videos because I'm always just like screaming. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm I, the people. Okay, pause on that really quick. The the stands were kind of sad, honestly. Thank you. So I took one of the dietitians who works for me, or the only person who works for me. I don't know why I said it that way. Came with me and they wouldn't give her a grandstand pass. And really? I was expecting and so when I saw how barren they were, I was like, well, that was silly. She should have gotten a pass. <laughs> yeah, it would they were like half full and like nobody was cheering. Like Jess and Michelle and I and Amy, like that was who I was with, we were yeah. screaming a lot, but you can't yeah. scream like for hours on end. Like right. um so right. we we were cheering for the people we knew, but we were also cheering for other people. And like nobody else was cheering. Uh And I also felt like we were getting on people's nerves. And I'm like, yo, let's like, let's liven this up a little bit. These people are finishing a marathon here. And I don't know. That's one, that is one thing I would suggest to Chicago is somehow figure out a way to make your, the finish line experience that last stretch a little more exciting. They didn't let anybody like for anyone listening that hasn't run Chicago, like you can't there was get up no there. spectators in the last, what would you say? 200 yards? At least. I don't yeah. Know how long that Something shoot was. like that. Like none, like at Boston, it's like booming, you know? Um, I, yeah. I think it's 200, like from when you t- go, go up that hill I and then so. like turn marked. in. Yeah. Like that's when but, you hit 26. Yeah. So were you there when Emily Sisson hit the yes. American record? Yes. And was it that like barren yes. in the stands when she was there? What? And I, th- I thought maybe it just piled out. And it honestly huh. seemed like a lot of people had no idea what was happening. Like it seemed like we were freaking out because we were like, Emily yeah. Sisson is breaking the American record. And it was like, it didn't, it seemed like, so the crowd that's there, I think are like people that paid for access to that VIP hospitality tent mm. or family members of elites or I don't know, mm. but like, it didn't seem like people around us really knew what a big deal that was. Or when Ruth came through and was like 15 seconds off the world record, like also a big deal. Um, So yeah, I don't know. And I mean, obviously like we're huge runner dorks and we know all the things about all the people, but um, and I know Chicago has to do it differently based on how the finish line area is set up and all that. But I don't know. They should hand people, they should give everybody like shakers or something if you're in the grandstands, in the grandstands could have been like 50% more full. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm sure it's a security thing, which I totally respect. Thank you for keeping us safe. But for sure. at the same time, I'm like, can we get a little more or something? A little something. So, yeah. you know, the thing about it is, it's like, I loved being at the finish line. I thought it was especially cool to be able to witness the American record being broken and seeing Emily run so fiercely. Um but I will say in the past, I've spectated at Chicago several times and in the past I've been at like mile 25 and I think if I could go back, I'd do that instead because um, it's just like you are in in the race with these people at that point. Like they're still racing and I think your cheers actually really help. So, 100%. you know, when I see you guys at the finish line when I'm in the grandstands, like you are going to finish in 250 regardless. And not that my cheers are going to change that, but like you get a little oomph, you know? Oh, for sure. When you hear people. Yeah. Yeah. No, my last like point, I don't know. I was like ran way over, but whatever my last was, was like 40 seconds faster than my marathon pace. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot oh, of it was it? the excitement at the end. Yeah. How did that, <laughs> how did that hill feel though for you? 
Oh, I laughed. I, I, I laughed because they were making such a big deal out of it. Uh-huh. As the first preview, uh-huh. such a big deal. And actually the race director for Boston was in the room when this was going on and he's in hysterics in the corner. Like you guys, what are you talking about? <laughs> so I was like, okay, the last marathon I ran was Boston. The half I just ran was crazy hilly, had like four times the elevation than this whole marathon did. So I was like, Megan, you're going to be fine. So when I turned on it, I just started laughing at the guy next to me and he he was feeling the same way I was. He was feeling good. And I was like, this hill is something. And he just started cracking up and we both just kind of like, you know, turned and finished, but it was not, I did not think it was bad. <laughs> um, You know what I also thought was interesting was that OTQ time, 237, there were hardly any women coming in right around there. Like there was one woman who I'm actually going to interview for the podcast, Teresa. Um, she came in right under, but other than her, it was like there, it, you know how like you would assume there'd be like a flood of yeah. runners trying to come in for, it, especially on a fast course like Chicago. It was like just her. It was so strange. Really? Really? That does surprise me. And also it's a little defeating that maybe it's a lot harder than <laughs> It needs to be. <laughs> right. I know. I, I still think like 240, sub 240 would have been ideal because it just feels a little more in reach, right? Agreed. Agreed. There was just a lot of people pretty crushed by that, I know. Yeah. I know. Um. Yeah. So would you do anything differently? Um. I mean, honestly, like my instant response that is no, no. I had the run of my life out there, like not many races feel that good and that fulfilling and that exciting. And, you know, like, but at the same time, if I would have been calculating my pace, I absolutely had 48 seconds left in me that I could have gotten a sub 250, you know? So of course there's that like, oh man, shit, but that's why we keep doing this, right? Mm -hmm. Like we always find opportunity to do a little better, to go a little faster, to feel a little stronger, to have a better time. So, um, no, I mean, I don't, I don't think I do. Yeah. You're saying the time would have, you would have bought that time going out a little bit slower so you could have sped up more at the end? I think I could have sped up more at the end. Yeah. Okay. You think I think, you- I, I think I could have pulled those seconds out in the last 10K. Okay. Absolutely. Like okay. I didn't feel that terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have um, advice for people who have a hard time um, being patient and going out too hard? Because I think that's something a lot of us struggle with. It is. It's a really hard thing to do, honestly. And I think part of it, it comes with practice. So like understanding what marathon pace should feel like and understanding that it should not feel like a push. It shouldn't feel hard in the first half. Right. So I think that's a huge piece is like checking in with yourself. Um, And also once you've blown up at a race and know how terrible it can feel, and then you don't, and you know how enjoyable it can be. I think that in itself is enough to be like, yo, yo, hold back, <laughs> you know? So again, I think part of it just rolls down to experience, but um, yeah, to be able to negative split that second half of a race, even just by, you know, seconds is, you just feel so much better out there. <laughs> you saw me smiling. <laughs> oh, you were happy the whole time. Um, at least you looked happy. Maybe not for that second that you felt nauseous. It was more of an internal question. I was like, is this how, because I hear of a lot of people who like barf at the end of a race. Oh, yeah. So I was like, is this, is this how it starts? And uh-huh. I was like, well, I'm just going to keep running. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm more of a throw up or, or feel like I'm going to throw up at the end of a real short, fast race. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess if you that. sprint at the end of a marathon, like yeah. truly can have that in you, I could see how it would. But yeah. anything more than a half marathon, I don't think I'm running fast enough to like 
have that feeling. I, yeah. I, I feel like I always feel it at the end of like a 5k though. Like, am I going to throw up right here right now? Is that going to be fun yeah. for all of us? <laughs> right. Are we going to see this again? There was a girl at mile, I don't know, maybe 18, 19, that like literally just hurled off to the side as she was running and then like obviously stopped in her tracks to continue. Um, and I am not a good, I do not deal well with seeing yeah. people barf like that. It's one of my weaknesses. So Same. I literally was like turning my half, like the top half of my body away. So that I was like, don't look, don't look, just keep running. <laughs> and I'm such a germaphobe. I'd be like, uh oh, I hope she didn't get close to me. Like, I don't want to get whatever she has if she's like actually right. sick. <laughs> this is one yeah. of my greatest weaknesses as a mother. Same. It's so bad. And I feel like I need to just suck it up. But like, my husband does a lot more of the puke cleanup than me because I like gag myself. And then I also Same. get so paranoid I'm going to get sick and he just doesn't care. Um, but yeah, I kind of yeah. feel like not super motherly when I'm like that. Oh, hundred percent. Like the couple of times I've had to carry my kid to the bathroom, I'm like facing him forward really far out. And then I like pat their back from like outside the actual bathroom. Like, so I'm not breathing in the same room. I'm like, you're trying to get the toilet. <laughs> I'm so bad. I know. Like when you said that nurturing earlier, that's what I was thinking about. I'm like, I'm really good. I think when my kids get like injured, but when they're sick, like I'll get them everything they need, but I want to be di very distant. Right. Cause that, that stuff spreads like wildfire in a house of six. You got, you got a lot of people that could be knocked down. <laughs> I mean, seriously, we had neighbors that one of their kids ha had like a stomach bug recently and somehow the rest of their family didn't get it. But like, I was like, I'm sorry, but we're not going to be able to see you for like seven days. Like, yeah. I need to be confident that anybody else in your family that's going to get this isn't going to be around my family. And that is the one thing, that is the one thing I am not messing with. Because six people going down with that is not fun. No, in the cascade of it all throughout. Yeah. Oh, I feel you 100%. I totally relate. <laughs> um, okay. So let's just go over real quick. Um, you said that you practice all of your fueling on like all of your long runs. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Okay. And you take fuel every, literally every 30 minutes, right? In long runs. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that was different is I don't take a gel before I start. Oh, is I that new? I always just started. I, I race day I take race a day you I do start. yeah but I don't do that in practice I mean those things are expensive I'm like I'll just eat my graham crackers how much are the more I think they're like three bucks each maybe more they're okay. ridiculous yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. so is that six including the one before the race or is that make seven yeah 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 okay and so you know like back in the day we always said and I I have still advised this um mm -hmm. and I'm like leaning towards changing. Um, but of course I'm not a dietitian and I always tell, man, I, people that like need a lot of help with their nutrition, like you got to go to a dietitian, your running coach mm -hmm. can't do this for you. I couldn't agree more. I love it. <laughs> Cause your, your needs are so specific too. Like you are an yeah. individual person and there's only so much an actual running coach knows unless they are super educated in this. But, um, you know, for years on end, I always said, you know, fuel every 40, 45 minutes, but it sounds like the science is leaning towards and you are like, no, we need to be fueling more. So how do we encourage people to do that? And why do they need to do that? Yeah. And a part of it is going to go back to like, what is someone's goals? So like right before this, I was talking to somebody who's pacing a friend to a much slower marathon than she just ran at Berlin. So I told her, I was like, you don't need to fuel every 30 minutes. You can stretch that out. Your intensity is not as high. I mean, when we look at 
carbohydrate needs for performance. If we don't want to hit the wall, if we want to have that smile on our face for the whole 26.2, you know, we need to make sure we have a high carbohydrate availability. So what that means is we need to be fueling more frequently so that we're never without, right? So we have quick access to that quick fuel while we're running. So that's where like a lot of the research is coming that if we're trying to perform at like PR pace, regardless of what pace that is, if for us, it's a reach, it's a PR, we're working really hard the whole time. That's where we want to be trying to fuel more frequently, like 30 minutes. I even have some people who are way faster than me fueling every 20 minutes. Wow. You know, Kip, Kipchoge, what did we calculate? 90 some grams of carbs an hour for his two, wow. you know, so obviously, for some people, it's even more frequently than that, right? But for most of us, going for a PR marathon, regardless of the pace, like every 30 minutes is what is advised to keep you from from hitting that wall. Wow. I think this is going to be like groundbreaking for a lot of people. Do do you notice though, like people get worried about their stomach because that's like so much to take in? And that's why we want to practice it, right? Is that we can actually train our gut to accept all of that, right? And and making sure that we're staying hydrated. Like a lot of people come to me like with GI issues or not tolerating their fuel. And 90% of the time it's dehydration. It's not mm. the gel, you know? So it's like, there's lots of pieces and parts to making sure that we're fueling these long runs, right? But we got to practice it during, you can't just expect our body to do it come race day when we've never asked it to do it before. I'm going to do it this weekend on my long run. Yes. I have 20 miles I'm planning to do. And, um, oh gosh, now that I said it, I have to do 20, huh? Uh, you do. <laughs> you can do it. I know you can. I got myself <laughs> into this predicament yesterday because I was like, you know, I'm raising money for every mother counts. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do 10 by 800. So like everybody donate $10 for the 10 that I'm doing. And then I really wanted to quit at eight. And I was like, you literally have to do the two more. Like you, yeah, you do told people you were doing it. You asked people to donate. You have to do it now. So right. there's something to be said for that. Forced accountability. I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> totally. Um, because I, I will say you've really inspired me because um, I've done, I've done a lot of long runs for this training cycle kind of spread out, but like I've gotten more than I normally do, I think. And, and um, I've been feeling like every 50 minutes, what am I doing? I would play with it. And maybe, well, there's not a ton of time before New York City, but if we had all the time in the world, what I would tell somebody to do is to like move it to 45 and then to 40 and then to 30, you know? But two, we know we tolerate fuel better in the beginning before our perceived exertion and heart rate get too high. So like maybe you you can get yourself to do like 30, 60, 92 hours and then 245, 330, you know what I mean? Um, so that's another strategy. Okay. I mean, I look forward to fuel. Like, it's so fun for me. I'm like, like we go, we're going back to what's fun. Well, to me, what's yeah. fun is like taking in calories because it feels good. Then, hey, this shouldn't be a problem. I like it. I don't yeah. think it should be. And I, I, yeah. I don't think I'm sensitive. I have bathroom problems sometimes, but like, I don't think that that's why. Um, yeah. So I, I'm just going to go for it on this 20 this weekend and, and see where that gets me. And hopefully I'll just feel stronger and like not so depleted. Right. And you'll recover better afterwards. Like it's try it. Report back to all of us. I will do that. Okay. So last thing we'll touch on is the importance of having fun when we race. We get so nervous. We work ourselves up. And like, I know that like a little bit of nerves and excitement is good for the run. And I don't know how you get to a start line without feeling that a little bit. Mm -hmm. But like, if you're miserable, 
you're so nervous. Like we got to solve that problem. How do you have fun even when, I mean, you were having fun that whole time, but like, I know it was hard and I know it hurt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think like, I honestly look at races as a victory lap. It's not the destination. It's literally the celebration of all the training we've put in. We trained so freaking hard for these things, right? Like this is what we get to do to celebrate training so hard. You're tapered. It should feel easier. It should feel better, you know, than a lot of these training runners runs that we've, you know, struggled through or been in way too hot of conditions. Mm -hmm. And then finally it's cooler. You know, there's just so many things that are different come race day. And, you know, I don't, if race, is too much of a stressor, then why do we race? Mm. You know, like it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a celebration of everything. Um, I don't know. So maybe it's just changing our mindset and kind of looking at things a little differently. I was telling myself that before the 5k, um, I like, I was all weekend. I was kind of like, I don't want to deal with this. Like, I don't want to hurt for 20 <laughs> minutes. Like yeah. I don't need to do that. But at the same time I was like, be kind of good to get a good workout in like, and see, I haven't raced a 5k in like, literally years and I'm like it'd be good to see where you land um so then the day before I just like took all pressure off and I was like you know what if I wake up in the morning and I don't feel that great I'm not doing it <laughs> mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then I woke up and I was like of course you're gonna go do it what are you talking about <laughs> like I feel great I'm gonna go out there and crush um, it yeah and yeah. I stood on the start line super calm I know the cell sounds so silly because I'm like you know just running for fun or whatever but um and I reminded myself, I was like, Lindsay, as soon as like you cross the start line, all pressure is relieved. And like, all you have to do now is just run as hard as you can. And like, if you need to slow down at mile two and a half, because you're like dying, like that's okay. Like it's not the right. end of the world, but just go push yourself and see where it freaking lands you. Exactly. Exactly. And honestly, nobody cares more than we do about ourselves, you know? So like, as long as we're happy at the end of the race with the effort we put forward, like it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like there's really nothing more to it. Well, and that's what I was, I went on a run with Tina Muir the day before and we were talking about it and she was saying the same thing. She was like, Lindsay, nobody cares. And I was like, well, I know (laughs) nobody cares, but like what my hang up is always, I care. Like I... I know I don't want to give up and I know that like at mile two and a half of a 5k or even like mile actually like 1.75 is when I really struggle in the 5k. Um, I know that it's tempting to slow down even though I don't have to. And the mental hurdle for me is like making sure I don't do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. It's like the pressure of like, are you going to give up? Are you not? And that kind of goes back to, um, Man, I had the opportunity to interview Dina Castor again at the expo. And um, I put that out on my Patreon page if anybody's listening. Um, Patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. Not the relay one, my personal one. <laughs> no, it's confusing. There's a million. Um, but I put that live show up on there. And, you know, it's just if you've read her book or you heard Dina talk before, it's just that thing that, like, she always says, like, when I was in second place, if I felt like giving up a little bit, I knew that, like, getting third place would still be good enough, but I wanted to hold myself to a higher standard and have that character that I tried as hard as I could. So I think if we can take that mindset with us to our races, too, like, we're just holding ourselves to a higher standard. It's not about anybody else. It's about who we want to be at the end of the day. Right. And that's what I always tell myself when it gets hard. Like, you know, there's always a time you want to back down, especially in a 5K or, you know, a full marathon. And I'm always like, you didn't work this hard to get this far to let go now. 
Like okay. there's only so much left. You know what I mean? Like when you at mile 20, mile 22, and you're like, how do I keep going? It's like, you just endured this for how long? Go. Do Go. not give up on yourself now or you're going to be real disappointed. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. Lauren Flores just posted a reel saying that her favorite mantra is stay here, hmm. which I loved because I think I like that, that that's what we do in the marathon. We get like anxious about how it's going to feel later on and like, just stay here. Just like be mm -hmm. here right now. Mm -hmm. I really like that. Yeah. Do you have a yeah. mantra? I always, um, I always try to, when my mind goes to how much is left, I always try to bring myself back to this is the only mile we care about right now. Mm -hmm. This is, and you know, we're running this mile. We can run the next one when it gets here, but this is the one we're focused on now. So kind of the similar. Similar. similar yeah. yeah. Stay mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I am just so happy for you. So proud of you. And just you really demonstrated what it looks like to do the marathon well and like mentally, emotionally and physically. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the things I'm the most proud of from this weekend is just how the whole thing went down and the perspective I was able to have. Because like we said, I think that comes with with time. You know, I didn't used to always be like this. So it's cool to cool to see that. And I feel like you and I being there together, I feel like now we have this special bond because you were part of this weekend with me. So, I mean, it's just it's all good stuff. I mean, I I cannot have Chicago come and go next year without doing another panel with you. It's like, well, it needs to happen. Ring, 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 Abbott. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. I know. I, I hope that we can do that more at other marathons as well. Like, I think that... Yeah, it would be fun. I think it's super fun. I, I love... I love interviewing and um, it's fun to interview someone on a stage when you know their personality a little bit and you've talked to them before yeah. too because you kind of you have like a rapport already. Yeah. And not to totally digress because I know we're wrapping up. Yeah. But did you I know you did a couple different panels at the expo. You know, when we started, most of the seats were full. By the time we finished, there was just as many people standing yes. as seated. Yes. Were any of your others like that? Or did we like knock it out of the park? We knocked it out of the park. I mean, D <laughs> Dina's, Dina's and Abdi's were really full. Um, Wesley Courier, he was on the first day, which was Thursday, and his was pretty empty. And I think that's just because like, who's at the expo on Thursday when the race is Sunday? That's true. Unless you're local. Um, but I, I was impressed because I feel like expo seating, sometimes it's like, there's like five people in the crowd. Um, mm -hmm. I felt like every, every, um, thing, like there was people actually interested and also asking lots of questions, which an engaged yeah. audience, I'm all about that. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Yay. Yay. We'll do it again sometime. Um, <laughs> hey, do you have, I'm going to wrap up with, um, do you have a favorite? I'm I'm making a new playlist from guests. Do you have a favorite song? Like, do you do you run with music? I know you don't race with it, but do you I run don't. with it ever? I don't. No, because I run in the dark, and I'm either with people or by myself. So I like, yeah, ah, I can't have music on. Yeah, um, too dangerous in the dark. And when you're with people, you're with people. Oh my gosh, I can't. So when I'm sitting here, I make Alexa play the fray when I'm working, but that's not running music. Oh, the that's fray. like my go-to. I'm obsessed with the fray. That dates me of when what I was in college. What a throwback. But, um, yeah. That's what Alexa's constantly playing for me when I'm sitting here working. But um, 
gosh I don't know I mean usually I'm like kind of like a teeny bopper at heart so like any like hit like mm-hmm. pop music I would totally run to <laughs> is the fray putting out new music no <laughs> no just all the old stuff scars and stories or whatever they're oh <laughs> that's so good Glenn will make so much fun of me if I start playing them because he just he's such a music snob but like I think I'm gonna have to because I I like a good John Mayer vibe too and I could that kind of yeah. like goes with that genre Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Try it, guys. Try to work to the fray and see if it works. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm putting it on. I'm putting it on my Sono station as soon as we get off here. I love it. I love it. Oh, all right. Well, happy Friday, Megan. Happy Friday. Good to chat again. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Megan, for coming on the show. You are just so fun to have on. I loved talking with you. You all make sure you're following Megan. She is Featherstone Nutrition on Instagram. She's a very fun follow and very educational follow. She is super fun with what she's doing over there. Uh, She also has a podcast herself called Fuel for the Soul that she does in collaboration with my friends at Believe in the Run. All right. Thank you, Athletic Greens, for supporting this podcast. Go check it out. It'll probably change your life. I'm not going to lie. Athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. And you'll get those uh, year supply of vitamin D and K2 plus five travel packs when you go to that exact landing page. Athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay. And that's Lindsay with an E. Thank you for being here. We have four more amazing Chicago recap episodes coming up that I can't wait to share with you. Those will be coming out two a week over the next three weeks. And we will also have our normal Friday episode as well. So lots of podcasts this week. This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network. To learn more about all of our shows and this show specifically, go to sandyboyproductions.com. Get signed up for our newsletter. So our Show notes will just get delivered to your inbox every single week or whatever day the episode drops. So if there was something on the podcast that you wanted to remember, there's also timestamps on there as well. So if you want to go to a specific part, you can go find that. SandyBoyProductions.com. I'm Lindsay Hine. You can find me on Instagram, LindsayHine626, on Twitter, at LindsayHine. And we would love to have you join our Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. Thanks for being here and we will see you Friday with a regular Friday episode.